Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, my name is John Barker and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 144 of this wonderful music podcast. It is indeed an honour to be back again hosting No Encore in the absence of Dave Hannity, who I believe apparently has gone Christmas shopping this week with Craig <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Also Christmas shopping. absent this week yeah, and also yeah, Christmas all... shopping. Uh, apparently, though, both of them were seen walking down Grafton Street together earlier on today. <laughs> Craig was was dressed quite elegantly, as you'd expect, with the, with the, the, the scarf thrown Proper over the scarf. shoulder. Carrying, he was carrying B, uh, bags from BTs and Applebee's. And <laughs> Dave was walking beside him carrying bags, several bags yeah, from yeah. Ur- Urban Outfitters. Some nice hot chocolates. <laughs> it was great. It was very, very pretty. So, no Dave or Craig this week, but I'm delighted to say, as always, Colm O'Regan is here. How are you, hey, sir? Colm. And of course, Dahi Odroni. Hey, hey guys, how are we getting on? You doing it, well? It's lovely to be back here. It's good. To it's be great back. to have yeah, you, man. Yeah. It's it's great to be back. This this whole studio looks absolutely beautiful. I know nice, it's nice so nicely yeah, done, yeah. isn't it? The listeners don't get to really appreciate how beautiful this studio is now. You know, it's yeah. like it's a shame. I know, but what what a show we have this week because we'll be taking a look a little later, as always, at some of our favorite singles of the week. The three of us have spent the last week getting our teeth into our album of the week, which this week is Earl Sweatshirt's new release, 
some rap songs and we have a very special live guest coming up yeah, Which Paul Noonan. You, Paul you can ruin it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, was, alert. it's not a big surprise. <laughs> I was looking at both of you going, guys, can I say it? Can I say it? <laughs> Dahi, how's the week been? You were at Other Voices last weekend, weren't you? Yeah, it was How'd good. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was playing in Other Voices. I've kind of gone every single year, but uh, uh, played this year now after a kind of a, a long gap. It was great. The shows were like, were packed out. Other Voices is really, really good. It's kind of every year, it's like, uh, it just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. They're going to have to close off that town eventually because it's just like way, way, like every single bar is just absolutely packed now. It's really, really crazy. But um, yeah, this year was very much the year of hip hop for other voices. It was, was it? Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It was like pretty much all the best performances that I came across were all um, like kind of hip hop stuff. Kojak came away as my absolute top person who completely <laughs> destroyed the place. Like it was so, so good. I mean, we're going to see him tonight, obviously, yeah. um, in the Academy. Um, but like his live show was this really really heavily energetic thing that was like perfect for the moment and then I was like I knew he was going to be on the actual doing the church the day after and it was kind of I, I was like geez if he does that in the church it's not going to come across properly so I was like oh let's see how this goes and then it like cuts and opens up on the screen I was watching the live stream in, in yeah. Benners and he has like this full band behind him and it's like a whole thing and it's like a whole completely different take on his own songs and like he just puts so much work into it and I, I think there's like a, a good lot of people with kind of um, TV backgrounds uh, kind of working around behind the scenes as well and it really really adds to the whole thing and then the other person who really um, stood out was David Keenan of course who okay. did the most other voices other voices performance that you've ever other voiced in the history of the world <laughs> he was like getting like a bottle with a candle in it and lighting it and holding it up and like like spoken word pieces between uh, yeah. like like songs and everything he just like was the most like exactly what you expect from other voices the whole yeah. way through so. and he's got a great band of him now doesn't he he's yeah. Junior Brother up on stage and Gavin yeah, Glass right. as well and yeah yeah and it was yeah. really good to see Junior Brother up there as well he had a fantastic show himself actually um, in one of the bars the day after um, yeah it was just a really really good time there was a lot of hot whiskeys going around and um, yeah, yeah as usual it was we, great we've just great. got a text in there from somebody called Hilary Woods saying <laughs> Ask Dahi, did he get paid? <laughs> I got paid. But, yeah, I got well, paid. There you go, Hillary. There you go. Nothing to give out about. Oh, Lord. I, I, I can't wait for Kojak, though, later on. We're, we're going to see in the Academy later on tonight. Yeah, it's and going to be great. I'd he say, is, yeah. for me, the uh, Delhi Daydreams was probably my favorite release of this yeah. year. And I know you guys are going to be reviewing 2018 next week on the on the show. But for me, that's the first, first time uh, an Irish hip-hop act is released any type of music that I've really yeah. related to. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's the year where Reggie Snow released his album and it, with Dear Annie, which is, like, I absolutely loved it, but yeah. it always felt to me like, okay, that album is quite Americanized, whereas mm. with Kojak's album, I instantly related to it from the very first track on it, which is White Noise, yeah. and, and that, like, the opening lines, you know, I'm just a Northside DC baby, and yeah, the whole, yeah, yeah. the whole like, eight songs in it, I could relate to them, not to every, I'm not saying, like, he, he was, you know, detailing my life up to this point, but there were, <laughs> there were parts of it where I went, yes, that's what but they're just, they're just like, like honest and full of emotion as well, which is kind of a bit rare for I don't know. Like I mean, we've talked on this show before. I think about like this idea that it just seems like everybody seems to kind of go like, oh geez, isn't Irish hip hop coming up now slowly? Like <laughs> yeah. it's so here. Like it's yeah. it's like it's like, and we're going to talk about this later on. But like obviously, rap and hip hop is like the biggest thing in the world right now. And like we're like there's so many really good acts coming out now. But you're starting to see less of like just taking influence from kind of gangster rap and stuff, which doesn't really come across well from an Irish perspective when you get somebody like Kojak um, like you kind of get a much more kind of a realistic honest 
representation of what it's like to be Irish, which is kind of what hip hop is supposed to be about. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a variety now, which is kind of the yeah. whole point. Like when people used to talk about the Irish hip hop scene, you were kind of like, well, that's almost a problem that there is one Irish hip hop scene and therefore <laughs> it feels like everybody's kind of running in those same circles. Yeah, yeah. The whole point is that like, you know, once it blew up in the States, it started to fragment into different cities and you got different sounds on the different coasts and in the different kind yeah. of like areas across it. So we're going to get that too, surely. Yeah, well, you'd hope so. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in the same way that like Kojak is going to blow up, you know, like guys like Versatile who, you know, like we're announcing the Longitude lineup yeah. Uh, yeah. alongside, yeah. you know, the likes of Chance the Rapper and all these massive names yeah. confirmed for that. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of guys like taking the next step. And obviously, yeah, guys like Reggie Snow, guys like Rusangano family, you can say they're all very, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But obviously there's room in Irish music for that. Uh, I think Daily Daydreams will have the same type of impact that girl bands um, debut yeah, album had two really? years yeah, ago yeah. because like now like this year you're seeing this whole new um, guitar band movement with, with the likes of the Murder Captain <laughs> I know Fontaine's DC have been out a, a couple of years um, there's there's a, there's a whole plethora of, of guitar bands after starting up and Enemy of course wrote that article yeah. everybody yeah. seemed to be jumping where on that punk music in the past is few weeks. Yeah, alive yeah. and well in, in Ireland somebody I, in PR has done a fabulous <laughs> job <laughs> genuinely yeah. like, it's incredible because like trust me like there's no way that like three or four different magazines had the same yeah, idea yeah, yeah. in the past fortnight yeah. it's kind of really interesting as well like, especially with that Enemy article um, uh, I always kind of find it quite interesting that like you could have written about any one of those bands singularly in their story, but it feels like they kind of, sometimes it's a bit difficult that they kind of lump like four acts all into the yeah. same mm. thing and kind of go like, geez, this is doing great. Now, the, here's four examples instead of like focusing on one or focusing on two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I but that's what Enemy does. Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked, we, we talked on this show before, yeah, about how they credit themselves for manufacturing a whole scene in England back in the day. So yeah, it makes sense that they might try to do it again yeah. uh, as, yeah. the, as they try to prove their relevancy in late <laughs> 2018. Um, last week on the show, did you have a chance to listen, John? Uh, there was a heated debate on the 1975 yeah 30-minute yeah. heated debate yeah and I was sat at home tearing my hair out because <laughs> I I interviewed Maddie Healy two years ago yeah uh, fascinating bloke he was really interesting really good interview I was scheduled for like 15 minutes yeah. uh, and even then I was late because there was like construction work going on near our office so I wasn't able to get in on time so I had to just text him and be like wait yeah, yeah. and I rang around and we chatted for close to an hour um, even though it was a 15 minute slot uh, like I say yeah he was incredibly forthcoming to the point where you were just like are you sure you want to say this in the magazine because yeah. I'm kind of duty bound to print anything that comes up here did it did it feel like like so they kind of talked about it on the show last week kind of the idea that like he he does this thing as a rock star where he feels like he has to say certain things he's yeah. like almost performing the role of a rock star did it feel like that when you were talking no, to him no it, to me it sounds like he feels a need to answer every question right, and right. we saw that come up this week when uh, he was asked um, with, in an interview with The Fader um, about misogyny in music and he basically appeared to, maybe did, uh, you know, maybe, like he seems to imply that some of it was misquoted but more of it wasn't. Anyway, he kind of essentially said that like there's no misogyny in rock and roll but there's loads in hip-hop. People have suggested that that is just coded racism basically. Well, it sounds like it to me. And also that it's massively misguided which I think it undoubtedly is. Yeah, he, he's apologised and he said that, you know, um, it's not all a misquote. Um, 
what he meant to say is that misogyny isn't allowed in rock and roll nowadays in a way it is in hip-hop, not that it doesn't exist. I'm aware of the misogyny in rock and roll. I'd never deny the rampant misogyny that exists there. It's everywhere but, and has been a weirdly accepted part of it since inception. But now looking at what I said, I was simplifying a complex issue without the right amount of education. And, uh, you know, thanks for pointing it out and flagging it up um, because, you know, if I'm going to be doing this, I have to keep learning. Which to me seems like a good answer for what he has done in this interview and indeed what he's done I think in a lot of others where he tends to just answer any question that's put in front of him I mean yeah, he's, he's it's, definitely it's a nice apology yeah I mean, he's definitely covering his tracks here like very very clearly like I mean you can't really I found it really interesting though when he put it up on Twitter and the second time as well um, again like last week they were t- talking about this thing where he just has these legion of teenage fans mm. and it's kind of I don't know I, I kind of I found it quite interesting what Zara said because I had never even thought about that level of stuff with the with the lyrics and everything and I thought it was a really good point I find it really interesting that like even after he put this up on Twitter like underneath it was just like thousands upon thousands of teenage fans just going yeah you're the best you're the best it doesn't really matter yeah. and you can't help but wonder like if you if you do something like this and then all you get back is just this constant praise for no matter what you do I mean it must be quite difficult to even learn anything you know but, what I mean but it, that's that's the thing though isn't it I mean yeah. he's getting he's getting praise for apologising for something that he shouldn't have done and he <laughs> right. did he yeah. did come across as, as, as this middle class white guy who's telling the black hip-hop community how to behave. Well, he, he <laughs> and, undoubtedly... And you can understand the backlash. Yeah. You can understand yeah. the backlash. I mean, for one thing, he is kind of self-flagellating, so I don't know if... You know, I don't think he'll be taken in by the thousands of people praising him. I think he'll know himself that, you know, he was out of line here. Yeah. And, um, and just when you were talking about the legions of fans, because, again, this came up in the, in the discussion last week and has been kind of ever-present in the debate since the album dropped, because mm-hmm. it's something that I asked him about. And you know, especially with the subject matter that he's covering in some of the songs, whether it's drug use or whether it's sex or whether it's, you know, suicide, whatever. And it's clear that he puts massive weight on the intelligence of this, like, largely female teenage fan base. And he just finds it really patronising an air of sort of, you know, won't you think of the children whenever people are like, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah. you can't say that when you've got this fan base. He's like, yeah, you can. Like, they're more intelligent than you're giving them credit for. Mm. Here. And Rihanna has done the same thing, right? Like, I mean, that was big Rihanna's push where she was like, I'm not a role model. I don't want to be a role model. Um, and that's a similar thing. It's kind of sometimes, sometimes I think like these people kind of like take a step away and kind of go, well, why do I have to be a role model? It's like yeah. a, a kind of a, what did you think of the record? I thought it was grand. I thought it was like it sounded fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Yeah. In other areas. Um like I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought and it was I, okay. I certainly see why it's getting so much conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and sorry, the other thing, the final thing before we go is uh and, and it's ironic, um, in terms of all the debates surrounding it where where he said to me at that time that like the thing about the nineteen seventy five and because they have such a loyal fan base and so on and so forth and because they're so aware of it, they're like, we tend to write in context and nobody's going to understand that context more than the fan base. So when you get a lot of sort of like 13, 14 year olds writing think pieces about like, you know, oh, what is a 15 year old girl going to make of this? It's like, actually, the 15 year old girl's in a way better position to pass judgment on yeah, it yeah, yeah. than we are, you know, like they pick up immediately if he's in character. Yeah. Whereas to us, it's a bit of a mystery because we don't know that much about them. It's mad. Like, it's an interesting it's crazy. I, I, at this point, I should say, I don't know one song from the 1975. Oh, really? I yeah. No, I don't. I like, I know they released an album. I actually probably know 
uh, more about them because of No Encore's podcast from last right. week than, than before that. <laughs> so I've maybe, heard, maybe I've we're heard, doing it. Maybe it's, <laughs> it's a guerrilla marketing campaign, <laughs> lads. I'm also, I'm also in charge of the murder capital in Fontaine's DC. <laughs> you're welcome. Jesus, you're good, Colm. <laughs> Uh, like speaking of those that loyal fan base, uh, Ariana Grande has quite a loyal <laughs> fan base, um, and both her and Pete Davidson have kind of had a quite a week, um, basically putting out statements. Both of them talking about um, mental health. Um, they obviously everybody knows the the story that they broke up a while ago, but um, apparently Ariana Grande's fans have been absolutely rabid and extremely over the top, uh, basically attacking Pete Davidson the whole way through. Um, I thought he put up a really really good statement. You can check it out on his on his Instagram. Um, uh, he really kind of pushes this idea that you know like no matter what like people like, keep telling him to kill himself and like this idea is just like crazy that you have to deal with that consistently forever you know it's it's, yeah. it's really really mad yeah I mean he said you know he's been bullied online and in public by people for nine months uh, he has borderline personality disorder and he's talked about it before as well as being suicidal uh, only in the hopes that he bring awareness and help kids like myself who don't want to be on this earth and basically, you know, especially in light of that, um, his treatment has been really damaging. Ariana Grande then weighed in and said, you know, she feels like she doesn't need to remind people of this, but, you know, don't do it. <laughs> Which seems reasonable, Which seems John. Reasonable. Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting one with regards to sort of like online behaviour and stuff like that. And and I mean, like, this, this is broadly why I don't like Twitter. This is why I don't do Twitter. Yeah. Because like, like we're, we're sorting it out on the fly. Like, there yeah, are yeah. no rules. And like, what's acceptable this week wasn't acceptable a fortnight ago or a month ago yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. In the same way that like, you know, Pete Davidson, like Pete Davidson's a comedian. Like, he takes the piss out of people for a living, you know? And it's only a couple of weeks ago that we talked about his joke about, uh, like, a, a U.S. Army veteran who lost an eye who was running for office. And he made a joke about him looking like a pirate on, on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there was a significant reaction to that going, like, well, is that entirely fair? And... You know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's getting harder and harder to sort of judge in many ways, you know, like, are some things fair game? Can yeah. we say nothing at all anymore? I mean, certainly there's a line to be drawn before telling a stranger to kill himself <laughs> on social media. Yeah, don't probably, don't yeah, get probably yeah, that's the line. That's the <laughs> line. But, but yeah, but you know, and I mean, like, it's, it's interesting as well, because it comes up for music critics quite a bit as well now, because I mean, we're more and more aware of mental health and music and stuff like that. <laughs> but some albums still suck. Right, yeah, yeah, and it's still kind of your job to say that when it does. So, you know, how do you tread that line sometimes? Are, I mean, you, re- are you referring to the online abuse that Dave gets for? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's that? What was that album review? Who was all, of them, all, all of them? All of them. Yeah. Every, uh, every single one. <laughs> yeah, but all these anonymous uh, Twitter users yeah. send them these uh, like hate mails and stuff like that. Yeah, but well, it's not just that, but also it's even like you know the artists themselves. Because I mean, like mm. I'm sure you've had it, John. Like you know, when you're interviewing artists and they say, "Yeah, like I do notice negative reviews," or like if a project doesn't go well, it does hurt and it does yeah. affect me mentally. And so you're like, God, I mean. I feel particularly it, bad it, it, about, about slating something then, don't yeah. you? It's, you know? it's not even just, you, Dahi, I don't know if, if you're familiar with this as well, this feeling that it's not even just reviews. It's like as anytime you put anything out online, unless it gets instant gratification, and like you, even if you put something up on SoundCloud, mm. you know, if within a week or two you don't have a few thousand streams, you're kind of going, Jesus, what's wrong with me? Like it, it does yeah, have an impact. I, I, that kind of changes over time. You kind of, you start getting to a, to a time where you kind of, the the stuff that you get back from it isn't actually the numbers but it's more the the work that you did i mean mm-hmm. i think i think going back on what you're saying colin like there's a 
there's a kind of a difference between like be like critiquing somebody's work and the work that they do or like the creative outlet mm. and then i mean i guess when you get into this type of stuff where it's like pete davidson like and people like basically online bullying and basic based on his personal relationships which kind of oh shouldn't sure. really have anything to do with you know him being a comedian i guess right you know and that and that's the kind of the the fine line that I think most critics are probably aware of, right? And it's probably what most people would think of. Yeah, you're kind of you're creating, you're critiquing work as opposed to the person themselves. You're not like basing anything on their character. And I, I guess, like, if as a musician, then, like, I mean, if somebody kind of went like, "Oh, I didn't like that song. That was shit." Like, that's not the end of the world to me. And I can kind of, you know, you can kind of take that on. But if somebody goes like, "You're a shit person," yeah. <laughs> like that sucks. Like, <laughs> like, like, no. There's thanks, that line like, again. You know? there's that line there's, again. So there's my line. I think, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Just don't get personal. Yeah. yeah, the the lineup was announced uh, this week for next year's Longitude Festival. Yeah, yeah well, right. very briefly in yeah. terms of first song chance the rapper. Uh, also, there ASAP Rocky, Future, Brockhampton, Lil Uzi Vert, uh, Suicide Boys, Lil Baby, Sheck Wes, Amine, Ray Shimmered, Juice World, blah blah blah. Uh, Ireland's biggest hip hop festival is that's, how it was summarized yeah. Yeah. in this well, that's, story. That's what it is. That's what they've hit now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. I think yeah. it's great yeah. that we have we have this uh, type of festival here in 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 Ireland. That's just for it's not just hip hop. I mean, I think there are some DJs and like yeah, like there are there is techno. There will music always on, be a little bit. Build. Of there will always be involved. a little bit of that, but it's primarily hip hop music. Yeah, I'm I'm a, a secondary school teacher, so oh, yeah. I, I researched this this part of the show earlier on today with my transition years. All oh, right. Um, instead of teaching Perfect. them, instead of teaching them <laughs> Irish, I was like, so lads, uh, longitude next year. What do you think? And the general consensus was that it wasn't the lineup. It was isn't as good as as last year's. I think last year you had J Cole and Post Malone and yeah, Tyler yeah, the Creator. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't there to aim for a younger audience, I guess. Yeah, so. but they were saying probably Chance the Rapper is the is the big draw for, draw for them as well as ASAP Rocky. So, um, but even the ones who were like, yeah, I don't know a huge amount on the lineup, and you know, I I don't really like a lot of the main acts, but I'm still gonna go. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It is yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and I would imagine by the time this podcast goes out tomorrow, that the tickets which go on sale tomorrow morning, i.e., Friday morning, will probably have sold out. Well, I'd yeah, imagine. there'll be a chunk of them gone, certainly, without a doubt. Um, yeah, it makes sense as well that like there is sort of a specialist festival, not just for hip hop, but also in the sense that MCD who now have more fingers in more pies than ever, really. <laughs> so many festivals. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, like, I always see it whenever there's people giving out about particular festival lineups. I said it this time last year when the festival lineups first started getting released. And I was like, look, if there's people on tour over the summer, they'll play one of them. Right, there's yeah, enough yeah, yeah. festivals. You'll get to see your yeah. Your they'll be booked if and if it's not longitude, it's going to be picnic, or it's going to be all together now, or yeah. it's going to be forbidden fruit, yeah. or it's going to be any one of the standalone gigs that are happening, you know, either in Dublin or around the country. Yeah. So yeah, but like I say, now that MCD are involved in picnic, that they have their summer series in Trinity, that they have standalone gigs in Malahide, I think, and yeah, yeah. some yeah, in Marley Park do. as well, and blah blah blah. Yeah, it, it makes sense that you know they would have a, a particular festival that concentrates on one particularly popular genre of music right now, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's hip hop, which is the, the the most popular according to Spotify, isn't it? Apparently so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we also got the uh, the the Spotify <laughs> streaming numbers in uh, this week, which is. Uh, Pretty egg to be expected, I guess. Right, apart yeah, from the, I guess the third one, I guess Drake is the 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 most streamed artist of the year, um, and Post Malone is is second, um, and then XXX Tentacion, yeah, um, well who done. is is third. Yeah, that's the name. I got it, I got it down. Nailed it, <laughs> nailed it in one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a huge amount of surprise here. I think um, the Drake thing is is not surprising in the least. I mean, 
they made such a massive deal, especially on Spotify. I mean, this is based around the Spotify streams, right? So not yeah. all streams. Yeah. And I mean, didn't they do that mad stunt where they put like a Drake song in every single playlist or some crazy thing? Like yeah, that? and as well, I mean, his album is what, 26 tracks long or something yeah. ludicrous like that. So, you know, that helps. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's. I guess it's kind of interesting that like, you know, Post Malone is probably there as well as like a huge... I mean, we we weren't massively gone on the Beer Bong and Bentley's album, were we? No, it's not a great album at all, um, to be honest. But it's I mean, got a few good tracks, and then they just seem to be repeated about five times each. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And he's he seems to be in a tailspin as well. I mean, like it's he must be like there's so much writing on him. It's like as such a like a huge, huge artist that I don't know this kind of stuff. It's like it's really, really crazy to see him and how well he's actually done. Yeah, um, biggest success story on this side of the water would be Dua Lipa, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, who was the second most popular female artist uh, to get all together um, behind Ariana Grande. She's she's huge. She's absolutely absolutely huge. She's class. I love um, her. I the, think she's the, the best. The, I think she's unreal. The fourth most streamed album globally. This is her her debut album from earlier on this year, which is great news for her. She's a young English musician, but it's it's also great news for one of her backing vocalists, who's Kira O'Connor from Dublin. Oh really? Uh, she spent the last few months on tour with with Dua Lipa. Oh, she's a front woman of a band called Akora, A K O R A, and she's performed performed sorry. Uh, in the past with the likes of Two Fools and James Vincent uh-huh. McMorrow recently. I follow her on Instagram and you know, you know those days when you're, you're, you're looking at your feed and you see all these like quite mundane photos of what people you follow are doing right. and then you see her video <laughs> and she's on like TV in, in Spain or she's playing this huge big festival in France with 30,000 people and she's on stage. It's, it's just incredible and the following week she's in, in Wembley and you know you've one of your mates is posting a photo of him like Going yeah. to the shops or something like that. And you're kind of going, I mean, Jesus, she she just has an incredible life at the moment. Dua Lipa as well, like as we remember, was like the the bit like the the most attended act on in Electric Picnic as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I doubt that we'll probably ever see her at a festival again, judging by this this size of like uh of of both the crowds and the re- the reactions for everything that she's she's done so far. You know, yeah. I I know this isn't on our list of things to talk about, but really quickly, Anderson Pack. I think uh, uh, tickets for his Olympia Theater gig go on sale tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Are, are yeah, fan, yeah, fans of his. Oh yeah, huge fans. Yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. he's fantastic. We reviewed the album a while ago. Okay, great. really, really good. Um, was it a positive review? I'd missed it. Sorry. I yeah, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Great. Oh, yeah, I loved yeah, it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a very good record to be honest. I like yeah. I I I thought I thought it wasn't perfect, but I think he was genuinely aiming for something close to perfection. Completely. So you know, yeah, falling yeah. short there is fair enough. Yeah. I feel. Um, so are we going to go together, three of us? Oh hell yeah! yeah <laughs> That's yeah, where yeah. I was going with this. Album. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll check. Uh, I'll check the yeah, calendar. Yeah. Oh, what's and, that? Uh, don't don't call me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, in news, um, just to kind of a, a revisit a story that we covered a couple of weeks ago, uh, where Katy Perry was uh, the highest earning musician of 2017, which <laughs> apparently stretched to June, according to Forbes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, she outbid one of her own fans for a date with uh, her own boyfriend. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Orlando, Orlando Bloom, Bloom um, a fan had bid 20 grand at a charity auction and <laughs> Katy Perry uh, said, uh, no, sorry, I'm buying it for 50,000 and dropped the mic and walked off stage. Um, as somebody pointed which out... Is, which isn't how bidding works. Like, yeah. you can't just finish the bidding yeah. as soon as you're done like and walk off stage. I, 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 I guess she just looked at all the plebs who clearly weren't going to outbid her. Yeah, yeah. And thought, Imagine you're standing uh, like a massive art piece and you're going yeah. like, okay, I'm going to buy it for one euro and then one walk euro. the fuck that's out it. like I'm just I'm gone. Bidding's over. <laughs> um, yeah, somebody pointed out that's pocket change for her. She could have donated and let the fan have her once in a lifetime experience. 
Which is correct, I suppose. Yeah. Totally. I, I feel sorry for Orlando Bloom, though, because he piece was... Piece of meat. Piece but of meat, no, exactly. but no, not at all. Not like that. <laughs> like He was getting the opportunity to do the dirt in her, but it was for charity. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the only it's time charity, in his life babe. people like, baby, looks and I love you, but, you know I mean? This is for charity. He's, yeah, you know? he's going to get... She, a, you got outbid it, yeah. and now I have to go and sleep with he's this gonna other He's going to get a night without having to talk to Katy Perry. And it like was a, snatched away from him. A motorcycle date sounds awful as well. Like, it's like you're screaming into each other's ears like it's like so do, what do you do for work are you like around? yeah I know yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what's your yeah. go to first date die my go to first date there's a bar called Idlewild that's very very good that's a good first date spot okay uh, and then yeah you have to go for a drink like you can't be doing food or anything no, like that definitely. and cinema Se- several drinks yeah, um, yeah. Shinae on the keys okay oh, it's, it's, it's kind of New York it's a little bit dark Generally, not That's too similar. Title was. I think we're, we're on the same page here. Yeah, that's good. What's, yeah, your, yeah. what's your day? I like to do something. Uh, bowling. Bowling, right. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? That's Pointing a bit of bowling, every game of pool or something but like that. But you all get competitive then. No, That's you get to kind of goof around and shit okay. like that. And yeah, yeah, you don't have music isn't too loud. That's still get bad. a drink or two. Yeah, yeah. Pretty okay. good. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah give that Send a in your suggestions to what your yeah. favourite date is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is the news for this week. Right now on this week's No Encore edition number 144, and let's be honest, the finest one yet. <laughs> We're going to take a listen to the new single from Paul Noonan. This is his debut solo track, and it's called Moth to Your Flame. I cure the back of a Panamine horse Made a diamond Show me the key to make a mark You've just been listening to the new single from Paul Noon. It's called Moth to Your Flame on this latest edition of the music podcast, No Encore. And now it is time for our live guest of the week. He is, I wonder, can you guess who this is? He is the frontman of one of Ireland's most popular and established acts, Bellex One. He is one of the best vocalists and songwriters around. He recently released that debut solo single there, which you've just been listening to. He is, of course, the wonderful Paul Noonan. Hey Paul! Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you. We do, we do a no, no encore clap whenever everybody nice. arrives. As it's well, just like so a bit of a sort of par four golf clap. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. On the tee, Paul Noonan. How are things, brother? You good? I'm well. Yes. Good. Nice swish new studio, guys. It's very it's fancy. Right yeah. here. It is. Oh, it's yeah, looking it's good, isn't it? Fancy. And uh, sounding good. I'm liking the smell of paint as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's really stuff. Fresh up. paint. Uh, you've had a hell of a year. You've been really kind of doing a lot of solo gigs and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just I, I get asked about this, and I, so people seem surprised that sort of stuff happens outside the band. I think like the modern musician kind of needs to do just lots of stuff. Yeah, completely. You know, for like, for yeah, various yeah. reasons, keep the head yeah. active, and uh, you know, it's two three years between Bell X One records, so there's lots of time to do stuff in in between, and we all do other things. The band has become sort of a hub that lots of stuff is sprung from and uh we'll always say well we generally say yes to stuff if we're asked Completely, so, yeah yeah that's been it's been great i've I've um you know 
you and I have made something yeah, beautiful. Yeah, we, we did. We did take the wheel at the start and of the year. Yeah. yeah, which was really great. It was a lovely... John, do you want to just grab a coffee here? Yeah, yeah, we're just going to take these two. How long will this be? 20 minutes? We get a room. I think it was really interesting, though, because when when we were doing that track together, you know, there was so much electronic elements, um, obviously, from that track. But then, I mean, you're working on new stuff at the moment, and I think Matthew Flame as well has kind of a lot of electronic stuff built into it as well, and you're really kind of starting to lean towards that side, right? Yeah. Is that new for you, or...? It is, I suppose. Uh, it's and a lot of the stuff outside the band I would do was sort of flexing muscles I don't get to flex. Yeah. Maybe in the band, I made a record of duets, a very simple record um, called uh, Printer Clips a few mm-hmm. years ago, which yeah. was just two guitars, two vocals for the most part, and I would go and and uh, and 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 record in a space wherever the person I was uh, working with was living, really in their kitchen or wherever. And and uh, you know, with, at that time, it was a real antidote to. The band, the most recent band record had been this clusterfuck of a sort of matrix of ideas and layers and layers and just became really, it it, it was like a multi-headed monster by the end yeah. of it. So I'd sort of wanted to do something the exact opposite of that. So with the, with the solo stuff, I just became really, I've been watching a lot of NPR... <laughs> Tiny desk concerts, yeah, all the yeah, hip hop yeah. guys who, who who do that stuff so beautifully and sort of very simple, heartfelt grooves. And I've just been getting into that space myself with uh, a couple of apps and just goofing off in my studio and making, and I suppose not being intimidated by the whole recording end of things mm-hmm. myself either and just sort of getting the laptop and, and making stuff and, and putting it out is, is, is sort of the mantra. It's interesting that you talk about kind of like, you know, as a reaction to the previous record when you made printer clips. Is yeah. there that sort of antagonism between the band stuff and solo stuff then? Uh, it's not an antagonism as such. I think it's just different and it's, it's trying to... Like I'm a massive Gillian Welsh fan Mm. And seeing her and David Rawlings play is a real was a real inspiration for the for the printer clip stuff and um, yeah the the band uh, it's it's like it's they're, they're all the records sort of are a bit all over the shop and we're flinging paint at the easel all over all the time and we like that we like not being sort of pigeonholed into any any one thing and records can be I mean I say records can be wildly different from one to the next they are to us but I suppose you know. There's still the same dude singing, so often that's that's the thread that sort of runs through them. So I mean, obviously, this year was also a, a band anniversary. Yeah, uh, twenty years of yeah. LX One, and did, see what we did there. <laughs> put it together just, just before we came on air, um, and obviously you had some gigs to celebrate and stuff like that. So I guess you guys got to look back over all those albums that, as you say, felt so different to yeah. you guys. Was an eye-opening experience? Usually, kind of yeah. Listening to, let's say, our first record, Neither Am I, which came out in 2000. I have this kind of uh, vocal affectation. I, uh, we, we called it the touch of the Ronins. <laughs> touch, <laughs> touch of the Ronin Keating, yeah. Wow. There's a few <laughs> moments in there, you know. And I'd, I'd kind of, you know, listening to it from this perspective, I'd feel I'd kind of yet to find my voice. And yeah. and uh, <laughs> and not do the Ronins. So, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that and and with the songwriting, like we we played that whole record on that first night at Vicker Street. We did five nights at Vicker Street, and we did our first three records on the first three of those nights. And it was it was very emotional, actually. I mean, it was very sort of revisiting. You know, there's making your first record and being in your early twenties is a very fucking potent time, you know. And uh, it, it revisiting that time. From a more stable, sort of more together place was 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 very interesting. I think for all of us. Mm. When you look back to the songs on Neither Am I and even Music and Mouth, <clears throat> how how would you rate your your songwriting back then with those first uh, two albums? I mean, it's, it's in comparison to now. 
I think there's there's a I, my life isn't as sort of turbulent as it may have been. So um, and some of it I kind of will wince at the sort of totes emotion factor going on but it was for real you know it was yeah. it was real life and it was sort of documenting things in my life that happened and, and uh, I find now I tend to have to go elsewhere and sort of like stuff I observe or just yeah. mad stream of conscious stuff that I d- my life isn't as fucked up as it was maybe yeah like I, s- I saw you playing Galway for your solo show and you were kind of playing some of the stuff that's going to be coming out in the kind of the, the next year or so and you know the way you're kind of talking you're kind of almost saying that like each of those albums are kind of almost like a chapter of your life all the way all the way along up and like right now a lot of your songwriting is based around you know you're a married man with kids that's all very very yeah. great but then you also have you have some stuff where you're looking way back to when you're like a kid and stuff as well right that's some of your your subject matter yeah. as well right yeah yeah uh yeah and it's, it's funny what's what comes up because i'm actually um i'm studying again i'm, I'm i've got really into sort of the n- neurology of music and how it sort of uh, with modern brain imaging you can actually see what areas of the brain have been stimulated by whatever kind of music i read a book called musicophilia by this neurologist called oliver Sacks, mm. and um yeah, so I've I, I, um, there's a couple of stories in that that I've made into songs. There's a song called Glacier, which is very much inspired by this dude who who lost his his memory and to the like. Really, he, he had been a composer and, a, and an amazing musician, but he lost his memory to the point that he couldn't remember a couple of seconds ago. But he, so he didn't he he couldn't remember like he wasn't sort of oriented in time and space <laughs> at all. But he had really strong emotional memory. Like his, his wife, he, he his emotional memory stayed intact, and to the point that any time his wife would come into the room, he'd be he'd have this amazing uh, re- um, reaction to her and sort of embrace her. But she and then she might go out, and then a couple of minutes later she'd come back in again, and he'd do the same kind of thing again. I think that was such a it while he he'd lost like how to put on his clothes and you know the procedural memory but he, he it's sort of emotional memory had stayed intact yeah, yeah. i think Amazing. that's a really beautiful idea so i kind of i've written a song about that called glacier it's exciting yeah it should be great <laughs> um paul uh, i i interviewed conor o'brien recently and in fact i think we all did here probably in, yeah. in yeah, separate we interviews he's a media whore the whole story <laughs> to that last <laughs> i interviewed him twice actually i must admit <laughs> But uh, I, I asked Connor, what was when was he at his most happiest as a musician? And this is going back to what you're talking about here as, as being a songwriter. And he said that generally um, he was at his happiest when he was at that stage of a, of a song where it was near completion. He knew he was going to be able to pull it through. And there was a kind of a mixture of euphoria and satisfaction. And at every other time when he, when he wasn't at that moment, everything else to do with his music, he always had something to worry about. There was always something that he had to remember. So. Right. When are you, I guess, at your happiest as a as a musician? Would it be a similar enough answer? I th- I, um, I, for me, it's the sort of the the initial sort of uh, genesis of a song and that that initial spark that really gives you a buzz, um, and then you have to sort of do the work of fashioning it into a song. Mm. I, I mean, I, I kind of enjoy both parts of that, but sometimes it just won't fit or for whatever reason it just doesn't work out but you know there's something in there that you might sort of like pull you know uh pull a few parts out of it down the line for 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 other songs but um yeah i kind of enjoy that uh, the whole 
and the recording end of it now I've kind of come to really enjoy and sort of dicking around with plugins and compression and all that sort of stuff I find that's a I think it's almost as it is as important as being as playing an instrument now is to sort of be able to record on your laptop and sort of control the means of production in that sort of a Marxist sense but it, it's um it's a, yeah, it's 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 something I would you know when asked you know, for advice, I, I always I think because recording has become really demystified, we can do it ourselves. Now, you yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. It's interesting though, that you talk about like the genesis of the song being something that you're really interested in. Does that lead to restlessness of sorts? Um, in terms of, of different projects and even different songs that you you just want to start something. Yeah, or it can lead to sort of laziness and sort of not sort of seeing something through, as in there might be. Sometimes I kind of <laughs> the last verse might be sort of like a bit of a sort of twisted version of the first, and and it and go ask oh, Grant it'll do. <laughs> you know, I, I I find sometimes I'm a bit lazy about actually uh, being being honouring the the sort of strength of the initial idea and sort of weakening it a bit by just sort of going oh, that'll, that'll that'll do that's grand. <laughs> But I think I call myself on it generally down the line, and before it actually sees the light of day, I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it right or or dump it. Yeah, you, you generally work out of a kind of like a I've been to the where your kind of studio is. Um, yeah. Do you generally kind of work like that? You kind of go to almost like a job, like you go there for work and then spend a certain amount of time there. That that's like a very set time, and then always kind of come back. Is it very like? I don't know. Sometimes I'll be I'll be writing music and it just kind of like comes at any moment and you're just kind of having to just like get it down as quickly as possible. Yeah. Do you kind of differently? I think it used to be more like that. You'd sort of wait for the thing to strike. The gods. <laughs> to, yeah. And but I, don't, I suppose I don't have the luxury of that. Anymore. Then you had kids. <laughs> yeah. I sort of had to have to go and stare at the wall and just be ready. Yeah. I think that's if you put yourself in the zone and just dick about on instruments and and. and for me, it's kind of like any time I get a new instrument, or it, that it, that always sparks something, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's that sort of childish excitement about a new toy, you mm-hmm. know, that's really um, helpful. Yeah. Do you put timetables on what you're doing? I mean, you, you said, and I mean, obviously, it was just kind of illustrative that there, you know, three years between Bellex One yeah. albums or something like that. But is that actually does that factor in sometimes that you look at it and say? If I want to do something, there's realistically maybe fourteen to eighteen month window now where I can. I suppose so because the, the, when I say two, three, two, three years, that that's what it's kind of felt like the natural cycle where we, we we create something and then we record it and then we tour it and then sort of let the land lie fallow for a while and then we kind of naturally come back to the table with stuff that we want to mm. that we're excited about and we've never been particularly sort of. Uh, sort of Stalinist about the, the five year plan or whatever that's that it's the, the, the labels that we've been on have never sort of pushed us in that way uh, and I think it's it's a nicer way to work that you sort of I, I you know from speaking to sort of monster bands that know that a lot of people's jobs and stuff are riding on them delivering records by a certain date I'm sure that's a very unhealthy way to work. Pressure, yeah. yeah. It, it's a lovely position, though, to be in, isn't it? Just even the way you're describing it, you're you're part of a, a very much established band in Bell X One, and you, you know at this stage that you've got this lovely cycle of you can, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure involved, but you have the opportunity to record an album, go out and third, and then you've got an, an opportunity to kind of 
relax and recharge the batteries for yeah. for a few months. So it's it's a it's a very I would I would imagine quite unique position to be in, particularly in Irish music. There aren't very many bands who are in that position. Yeah, it is, and and we have to remind ourselves of that a lot. <laughs> that it, that it's it's a it's. We're we're very lucky to, to to been able to do what we've done for twenty years, you know, because we haven't uh, become you know a big band outside of Ireland, and you know we can we can go and tour and it's and it's and it's great and we're reaching people, but it's not a monster like it is here, and um, we're very even to say doing the anniversary shows. I'm very conscious of that. We're going to the same well a lot. Anything we do go with, we, it needs to be special. You know, we've just done some shows with uh, a string quartet, the Dowry Strings, they're called, yeah. mm-hmm. in the concert hall, and we're doing some some more next year. But you know, we again, I was conscious of yet again going back to the to, to the audience here, and but but I think we made something again very different and, and very special. Speaking of which, actually, something that came up a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing Moth to a Flame was the fact that, you know, obviously you've got your solo stuff going on now, which is quite different to what Dave's got going on uh, with his solo stuff and with his um, soundtracking and stuff like that. So does that mean that you guys come back, I suppose, from very different places when the band comes back together yeah. again and that you bring very different ideas to the table? We do, yeah, and that's kind of an ongoing thing. We have a WhatsApp group that we... we, 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 try, we uh, trade links to stuff that's that's exciting us on and uh so we've kind of it's been interesting to see the the um the thread to sort of where dave's at and where i'm at with the sort of music we're making you know and, and uh it, it's it, that's been a great part of sort of because when we arrive when we sort of regroup to make a record we sort of know you know aesthetically where we're at and and sort of make something you know of that collaboratively yeah and of course you've been working with Doveman uh, recently Thomas yeah. Bartlett has been involved in the production end of things that's right yeah yeah um, Thomas is is part of the gloaming and and has played with lots of people and Anthony and the Johnsons and the National and lots of people and we met him through I don't know how we met him initially but it, he co-produced our second last record uh, in we made it with a guy called Peter Cadis and Thomas in Connecticut, and that was a like proper old school. We got three weeks to do this, get over there with our shit together, and just you know take a photograph of it and not dick around too much in the studio. And that was really refreshing because we'd always, well, the last few records and and then the one after again, we we're always we're all working on them at home on our laptops, and and it just becomes this sort of again per, very complicated thing. So it was it was very refreshing to do it sort of old school uh, like that, and he's just a great. Uh, honest, um, musical, and 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 also vibe-wise, like he's, you know, a big part of production is just is 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 the shadow you leave in a room. You know, he's he's a a great presence to have. Um, you know, from from song choices to artwork to uh, you know all that stuff as well. He's very sort of uh, valuable to sort of chime in on. You know, is is. Paul is Matthew Flame the first of several solo releases then possibly. I hope so. Yeah, we've we've recorded maybe ten songs and are uh, are in various states of completion. I mean, it's it, it, we spent a week in my place in Dublin and we spent a week in his place in New York and we've been trading stuff online as well. And so it's it's this sort of um, there's no I don't want there's no mad pressure. Uh, I I would love to start start putting stuff out. 
uh, but I don't want it just to go off into the ether either. I want to I want to build something around it, which is you know what we were talking about making a video mm. for for each mm. track and, uh, and and building sort of more of an identity around them. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, there's a bunch of songs, and I'm I I would love to do a bunch more solo shows next year and 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 and. Um, and showcase them too, yeah. And uh, going by from what you were saying earlier on about those Bell X One shows, they're probably going to be quite unique shows in quite unique locations. Possibly, you're not going to go back to the same well as you referred to earlier on. Yeah, actually, we're playing so with the with the quartet, we're doing a bunch of shows here and in the UK. And here we're in uh, a few places we've never been, like St Luke's and Cork. That's great, which apparently is beautiful, and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the Rexford Opera House, which okay, oh, yeah. it is yeah. a modern, beautiful opera house that. No one ever no really one knows plays. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, because they've been an amazing opera festival in Wexford, and, yeah, and they've, they've eventually built a proper uh, opera house. So yeah, looking forward wow. to that. Uh, if anybody is looking to catch you before then next Friday, yes, you're in. So Project the Project Art Center, Project Art Center does a does an annual fundraiser, uh, and it's the format is it's like a, I suppose like a chat show. With uh, with the 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 dude who owns uh, it, sorry, not owns who runs. Um, the project arts a guy called Kean who uh, has an alter ego called Mangina Jones. Oh, I've heard of this. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've heard of this. So uh, <laughs> Emmett uh, Kirwan uh, is going to be a guest, and Panty, and myself is the musical guest, and okay. yeah, it's going to be fun. Standard Christmas <laughs> knees up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Paul, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having Appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. All right. Okay, our album of the week for this edition of No Encore is the third release from Errol's Sweatshirt. It is called Some Rap Songs, and from it, here's the track, The Mint. Sipping out the flask, feet up on the dash. I hit the split, but don't promote it under overpass. No cap, saying falling out the hourglass. Grand total, it's a whole lot of raps. Quick saying, scrambling out of that. Go behind the back, switch hand, affairs high. Niggas know they out of Sterilize the click, paralyzed maritime niggas went every time. Wavy died, tapping in. Savion Glover caught a couple L's, took him to the neck. Motherfucker, a lot of blood to let, peace to make, fucking say. Uh uh, a lot of blood to let, peace to make, give a fuck about it, say. Yes, that is The Mint from Earl Sweatshirt on this week's No Encore. It's taken from his brand new album released last week called Some Rap Songs. It's his third release. His debut album, Doris, came out in 2013, followed by the excellent I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside. Yeah, that's excellent in, in my opinion mm-hmm. anyway. I'm not sure oh, about yeah. Dahi and Colin. No, 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 no I'm down. It's three yeah, yeah. agreeing there. Um, he's left his fans waiting three years, but as I said, Some Rap Songs came out last week. Lads, what do we think? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's brave to break your three-year duck and, like you say, leaving fans waiting and bringing it with an album that's less than 25 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was like a minute and a half or something like that. Yeah, uh, and and I mean, in terms of subject matter and in terms of, like, the aesthetic and all the rest of it, it really should have been called what a second album was called, shouldn't it? I mean, yeah. I get this sense of misanthropy from this record. It almost sounds... Well, it sounds like he doesn't want to be doing it at times. Yeah, like I, 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 I kind of really like this. It, like it has this like really weird kind of. Um, when you listen to the tracks, you can kind of hear it's almost like he's almost just rambling to himself. Mm, it's it's yeah. like a, a lot of rap 
albums tend to have this thing where the you're kind of they're up on the pulpit you know they're like addressing the audience and telling them things whereas this seems like he's almost just kind of like talking to himself and you're kind of like just listening in like and and the kind of the mixing for that is like it kind of reflects that as well I was just about to ask you from a production point of view like he's buried himself in the mix here Mm. and I'm in two minds about it because at one in one sense I'm kind of like uh, that that adds to this idea that you're kind of half listening into this this like person talking to themselves like mumbling and like stumbling their way through their like mid twenties yeah and right? going off beaten yeah, yeah and going off beaten like run, running out and kind of dealing with like kind of just general stuff in mid twenties I mean he has these very kind of classic stuff where like it really comes across throughout the record that like his his family don't really massively support what he's doing at all which is kind of like that's a kind of a a, th- a run through in his career you know that's always been kind of there you know oh god yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but like and, and then but then at the same time like when I was listening my, my favourite track out of the whole thing was December 24th and I was like yeah it's like so clear you can hear everything he's saying it's like alright oh, the reason it's my favourite song is because his voice is yeah. clearest on that that one right which is so weird like it, it's funny you, you referred to him a couple of times there as this guy in his mid 20s and when you listen to it you're like I, I had no idea I did that he was in his mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. So it's only when I did research for this piece that I was like, "Jeez, he's twenty four. Yeah, and I, I know he's been in the business for a, a good few years now. He was like sixteen he, at the start of our future. He sounds like not he's easily thirty four. Yeah, if not more. Like he sounds like a guy who's not in a in a good mm. place. And I know he's documented in the past his his um, troubles with depression, in particular on I don't like shit. I don't go outside. But at the same, but even like even with that album though, which is quite heavy and quite dark in places, it's you're still left with a, a little bit of hope, and it's very accessible. And I found this album quite difficult to, to listen to. It's not an easy listen. Like you're left afterwards, kind of going, "Jesus, I'm 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 feeling a little bit anxious." And I know that that's what he's trying to achieve mm. in oh, terms yeah. of produ- production wise. But at the same time, you're still kind of going, "This guy's only 24." Uh, and it doesn't paint a picture of a guy who's entirely happy with, with his with his uh, world at the moment. Uh, and I think when he, he released the first single from the album, which is called Nowhere to Go, he he did say in an interview that it's been the roughest year of his life. And mm. obviously this is all to do with the fact that his, his father passed away. Yeah, he lost his dad in January and also lost uh, a man he refers to as Uncle Hugh here. Hugh Masakela, I think yeah, is his name. Yeah. Um, a musician who was very close to the family. Passed away, I think, in the same two-week period as his, as his dad at the start of the year. And so, yeah, they've, they've definitely kind of informed this record to a certain extent. Um I mean, not, frankly, that I expect the record would have sounded an awful lot different had it not been for those particular events in his life, because it very is his his vibe, like. Um, and in that respect, I think he actually, like, does a really, really, really good job of actually creating that atmosphere really, on the record. Yeah. Like, I mean, whether it's the kind of choppy samples, yeah. whether it's him intentionally kind of, like, going off beat, mumbling, obviously burying himself in the mix. Um, you know, like more introspective rap and that sort of like existential side of things it's done frequently now but I don't think as effectively as it is here yeah and I mean like you know I'm kind of I've said before in the podcast as well that I'm, with hip hop I'm, I'm leaning more and more through the, to this kind of like the lo-fi kind of hip hop stuff but a lot of acts are doing that I mean we've even seen Kojak's work and stuff you know it's like a very um, uh, prominent thing that's starting to kind of crop up more and more in hip hop but this production is just way out on its own because it's like it has that lo-fi thing but then it, it's like it's so chopped and so unique that like it just really really stands out yeah I think I think at the end of the day it's all about this kind of this idea that he's like mumbling through like stuff and he almost like 
like saying peanuts, like which is a, like a very pointed one talking about literally his father's funeral and everything. And like that's I think that's an incredible track. I think it's like you know it's almost like he's kind of halfway through it and there's all this this really really normal stuff going on. And then by the end of the track, he's just kind of like he's almost just lost his train of thought. Like yeah. like at the last verse, he's not even. He's not even saying sentences, you know, which is like, you know, when you're under like an extreme amount of stress, an extreme amount of sadness, like that, that's kind of what happens. Like you Absolutely. kind of, you have these points and then they just start to disassociate and like, come, then it's just like random mush. And like, he just nails that on this album, you know. You you, you have the, the first few tracks where, as, as both of you have already said that um, it's it's quite lo-fi, it's quite hard to understand exactly his his words. They, it's kind of merged with a lot of the samples that he uses on, mm. on the tracks. And then you get to playing plain Possum which is, I think, track seven or eight. And mm. you've, you you have this great moment where he's uh, merged, I guess, two uh, various different tracks. One of is of his mother, Cheryl Harris, yeah, uh, yeah. giving a speech she made in 2016 at the UCLA School of Law. And in that, she's kind of, it's like, a it, it's a, it's an acceptance speech so she's thanking everybody in her life her family her friends everybody that's got her there and that's kind of juxtaposed with um, uh, his father who when he put this on onto the album uh, his father was still alive and he thought this would be a nice surprise for my father but it's it's his father reading out one of his poems because his father was this like mm-hmm. well-known well known poet, guy, yeah, yeah. and the poem is anguish longer than sorrow so he's got those two sided things and it's it's a really really beautiful moment actually in, in, mm. in, in even if the father was still alive it would have been yeah. a beautiful kind of thing to do for his parents to include him on the album even though he wasn't going to tell them <laughs> that, yeah. he, that they were uh, that, that he had taken their their samples um, but I guess I guess it it, it, it kind of highlights the the sorrow that he's feeling um, because he he didn't have a great relationship with his dad and he, the the one with his with his mother was quite fra- fragmented at, at times as well. So that that has uh, like that is the I guess the context within yeah. which the yeah. songs on the album. And are, are I mean I mean that's obviously well documented as well for anyone who kind of knows El- Earl Sweatshirt and has followed from the start. I mean like when Odd Future first came on the scene. Uh, and his mother like ship him off they were like, he, mm. yeah he he was missing basically yeah and people were like where's Earl and he'd been sent to school in Samoa which sounds like an excuse that I used to use for, for why my friends couldn't meet my girlfriend oh her, her mom sent her to school in Samoa sorry guys but um, but you know I mean like he, he's been a mysterious character from the start and I, like I do wonder if frustration isn't the word it's, and especially because it would be quite insensitive given that you know this is clearly an album of a guy who's you know a bit upset and like you say he's talked about his depression mm. and stuff before so you know he has some very serious kind of history in that regard as well but like I think people have been waiting almost a decade now for you know the real Earl Sweatshirt and here after three years of relative silence okay there was collaborations and so on and so forth but you know the curtains are being drawn back and we're finally going to have you know some sort of illumination and it turns out that it's pretty low wattage frankly you know (laughs) yeah Um, I I mean basically like is 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 the intrigue it like in itself like is is that what makes him fascinating rather than whatever it is that might be yeah or that we even imagine that there might be a sort of a real story behind it is it all to do with potential yeah Yeah. like I mean you start to think about kind of I don't know say other guys his age and down you know like 
uh, rap and like hip hop in general has gotten so simplified, right? Yeah, it's true. Like everything is just so simplified, and it's like really simple phrases and stuff. And this just seems like such a polar opposite. And I mean, you know, like I think he's a really interesting artist because he's completely out in his own. You can see these moments as well with the, the the whole record is so sludgy, and it's all like you know minutes and a half long. They're kind of you have to listen to it as an album, really. You yeah. can't just like pick up a one and a half minute track, and you get these kind of cool moments like you were talking about with playing 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 possum, where like true this sludge is like a sudden like very clear clarity moment um, and I think it happens in the mint as well with the piano line that that comes in it's like this sudden kind of clear call cut and you know like you would hope that as he kind of comes to terms more with who he is and, and how to deal with what he's what he's going through and if he gets to a happier place you hope he does you would hope to see a, a little bit more of that and like slowly see over the course of however much of work his work we're going to get these like big clear areas where it's it's going to be kind of you might be able to see somebody actually getting better here um, over the course of a couple of albums. That's what you'd hope for, right? Yeah, yeah. You um, you were saying earlier on that that you you see more and more hip hop acts uh, making music similar to the Errol Sweatshirt, but um, I, I you obviously know a lot more about hip hop music than I do. But I I would have thought that what what Errol Sweatshirt is doing is, is very different mm. because a, a lot of hip hop music that I've heard even from just this year is quite extravagant it's quite you know attention seeking as is the norm for him yeah yeah no I mean, I mean simpler like it's almost like you know it's kind of as, as in this is like the antidote to SoundCloud rap yeah. where it's all about create a beat in two hours and get your flow down and get the song out in six completely this sounds like it's been worked on for ages for ages and ages yeah yeah and like you know you kind of like yeah I mean it's kind of interesting because like it's funny that the whole SoundCloud rap thing is almost younger than him right so it's almost like younger than that <laughs> So you wonder, like, is he, you know, is he this mid-level between, say, like, that kind of, you know, the the, the older crew of people who, like, say, Kendricks and those kind of guys, um, and it gets, it's getting simpler and simpler and simpler, but this is kind of like a mid-level between the two. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know, really. Um, I, I, I really like the record. It's I think it's I think it's a hard one to listen to, and I don't think it's, like, it's hard to rate as well because yeah. You, yeah. Cause it's kind of... You can't really compare it to anything else, and I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to somebody, even somebody who's going through like the death of a family member or yeah, something. I don't yeah. even know if I would. Well, yeah, I, I so don't think it's going to be a particularly like, therapeutic experience. Yeah, exactly like. right. So it's like it's a really difficult thing to rate because I think as a piece of art, he nailed it and did really, really well. But at the same time, I wouldn't. If I had to I put it in a list, like, what the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. like where yeah. where do you listen to it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a weird one. It's I think it's it's a type of record that you can you can appreciate maybe once or twice. I certainly will. It's not a mm. record that I'm going to be coming back to yeah. too often. Um, I, I, as I said, I loved. I don't like shit. Uh, I don't go outside it, and that's a really accessible album. And he he's got the balance right on that between yeah. darkness and light, I guess. But in this album, it's he's gone way too far down yeah, the although, road. I'll, although I suppose in that respect you'd say thank god it's 25 minutes because if this was a 45 or 50 minute album That's a massive it point. might actually yeah. be an impenetrable slog these songs would be really hard if they were like 3 minutes yeah. long yeah actually. as it is it's a quick enough listen and it's creative and it's intelligent yeah. enjoyable isn't a word that I'd necessarily use but um, yeah. I enjoyed it, but I thought it was good I think it's a 7 for me oh god I don't know um yeah, I'll give it an eight as a piece of work. I think, yeah, I think it's really, really good. But again, it's like really difficult to rate. I've no idea. Yeah. Well, after what I've just said there, I can't really give it more than a five. <laughs> Damn it! Damn you guys! It tricks me. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Alrighty, let's move to some tunes. Song, songs of the week. 
Yes. So the first one we're going to be discussing, and when I say we're going to be discussing, I really mean both of you guys are <laughs> going to be discussing, is from uh, a guy that we've already mentioned earlier on. He's going to be one of the headline acts at next year's Longitude. And this is the new track from Chance, the rapper. It's called The Man Who Has Everything. I'm tired of people visiting, taking the elevator. Well, we'll keep the elevator. Love me forever. That's all I ask of you. Love me forever. That's all I ask of you. Don't give skit rewrapped. That shit could get sticky like tree sap. I gave you free raps. That shit sound like free facts, which is about as common as free blacks. Yeah, I really like this. I thought it was I thought it was really really good. It's kind of a really interesting kind of kickoff to I presume is going to be an album year for Chance the Rapper. Yeah, well he does Christmas mixtapes a lot as well. Does he really? So yeah, 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 yeah. And like, what's more, he dropped like six singles. So like maybe it is going to be a kickoff to an album year, but like it's a hell of a way to kick it off. I know, right? Like to dump. <laughs> You're not into it. No, I I I like. Sorry, I meant he was dumping oh, sorry, material. Sorry, <laughs> no, that you were referring to this track. No, as I thought dump. the so- no, I thought the song was great. Like I mean, I I love the sample. Um, yeah, the sample was great. Yeah, I like yeah. the vibe. Some of the wordplay is clever. Yeah, I'm I'm down with this. It kind of it kind of sets up this kind of I don't know. It, it's it seems like such a kind of a chill song for Chance the Rapper. You know, like he's coming across literally as the man who has everything. Where he's not, he doesn't really need to really push for something now. Yeah. Um, and it has this like lovely chilled, like kind of laid back vibe that I really really liked. Um, it has I mean, that I'm not sure thing. how down I am with just like the Christmas theme yeah 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 there's a lot of like what to get for Christmas and all that stuff like Santa's half. literally coming like is yeah. this a Christmas song I mean it. well it's about Christmas <laughs> I, I mean this is a Christmas song in the same sense as Die Hard is a Christmas movie I was just movie. about to say is this the Die Hard of Christmas there you go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah no I, I think it's really nice it ends really nicely as well it kind of like washes away with this massive big reverb and stuff as well I'd, I'd imagine that that will work into something else later on but um, yeah I, I thought it was really really nice I thought it was great Okay, let's track number two we're going to have a listen to is the new one from Death Cab for Cutie. This is a remix by, <clears throat> and I really should have practiced this surname, uh, Jimmy <laughs> Tamborello. Tamborello, yep. that's it. Happy Bang on. days. So Jimmy Tamborello has remixed the Death Cab for Cutie track, Summer Years, and here it is. To be fair, John, you might have had a, a better time of it uh, if he was still called Dintel, uh, yeah, which is yeah. what he used to go by. Or indeed, if uh, himself and Ben Gibbard just called themselves the Postal, postal service. service. This is a Postal because Service. Because this is a remix. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is a remix. This is a reunion, I should say. Kind of um, exciting. Yeah, I mean, it didn't entirely deliver. His vo- like ben he's got very Neil Tennant has gotten so low. Like, he's gone Pet Shop Boys. Isn't it or really something? weird? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come, and it's I think it's just because the I don't know like the the Postal Service album was so huge to me that it was like it's it seared into my head so that when this come out like I was I already heard the story behind this that I was like this is technically a Postal Service song and then it came in and I was like Jesus it's like they've like slowed down the record a bit and made yeah. everything like darker and I don't know it's, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, 
I, ca- I can't get over how, how deep his voice has gotten. It sounds really, really strange. It's definitely has all the elements of a postal service track. Though, yeah, I mean, is- I mean, we should say for listeners and even for John that uh, years ago when I was a journalist in Hot Press, I chatted with a, a young no Galway-based musician oh, about the romance of such great heights. You can't remember this <laughs> really? time? No, I don't remember yeah, this. Yeah, we had that Holy conversation, shit. man. I also asked you what music you had sex to. It was a weird feature. <laughs> it was the same w- answer. It was a weird feature. Right? Postal service. <laughs> yeah, did I say um, I wasn't going to answer that? I think I might have said no comments to that. No, 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 you got oh, did I? Oh, it. Oh, I'll dig it out of my emails there in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, yeah, it, 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 it's just, I mean, you only presume that Jimmy Tamborello's ability to produce hasn't necessarily uh, disintegrated through the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe it's, it, like. maybe it's Ben Gibbard's <laughs> issue of writing and performing songs because this does not sound I did, quite I didn't, like I remember. I didn't get a chance to listen to the original. Have you heard the original? Uh, I did because I heard the whole album to be honest. Right, I haven't yeah, revisited yeah. it in the past week but um, it's, yeah. a, it's a wildly different, is it? I, I, well, I, for the song itself, it, like it's quite different I yeah. suppose but like it's a disappointing album in general. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe Death Cab's days, are, well I think it's fairly safe safe to say that yeah they're not mounting the comeback anytime soon <laughs> but um yeah may- maybe this was kind of like one last shot at getting some sort of real nostalgia hit and it didn't really work for me yeah uh, Colm I'm still getting over the fact that you and you didn't even notice this you said this postal service track didn't entirely deliver hey, hey, that is very good I'm on fire I'm on you fire. didn't even blink <laughs> Our next new single of the week is from Mark Ronson featuring the one and only Miley Cyrus. This is called Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. Yeah, so like we, so like we go from a song that is a remix to yeah. a track that sounds like it's a remix, a Dolly Parton remix, basically. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, we talked about uh, Miley getting her Tennessee twang back last year. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I just don't like this. It's just so kind of. It feels like Mark Ronson getting his money. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like because obviously the the whole country western thing. There's a lot of different songs where people kind of go, okay, well, if you do this country western thing, like Avicii did it, right? Like yeah. you you put on the country music thing, and then it does numbers in America, it, like it, it blows up, and it's like a huge, huge thing. Um, this is such a weird song because it's like it's good for your like club saloon if you're going <laughs> if you own a saloon club, right? Uh, so so strange. Um, her voice sounds fine, like it just it, like. I don't like this idea where you're just like, okay, well, EDM is here, or like electronic music is here, or pop music is here, where it's at now. We're going to take every single genre and just pile it on top of it and see which one sticks and see how we go. Like. Well, you know what? I'm okay with it if there's a level of sort of, right, we're going to strip everything away and yeah. we're going to rebuild it. And like, frankly, that's how Mark Ronson got somewhere with that album uh, versions. Yeah, uh, versions. Yeah, 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 his, yeah, his second album. But the one that basically broke him because, you know, they took, Valerie and Just and a bunch of tracks and basically like took them out like all the original instrumentation mm-hmm. instrumentation is gone all of the usual instruments are gone and kind of reimagined it whereas here and this is why I say it sounds like a remix it genuinely sounds like he's working with the instrumentation tracks yeah, that have right, already actually, yeah, been yeah. laid down because that guitar like that dun, 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 yeah dun, dun. Where, where it's like if you're gonna bring it into some sort of weird electro pop 
area, like at least start re-recording yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. and start doing Make it, it a with synth, synth instead of a guitar. Precisely, yeah, yeah. 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 Even Avicii went that far, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas this doesn't, and I can't, because I can't, of that, yeah, I don't know. It sounds to me like he's just walked in and someone's tracked the whole thing already. Yeah, and I it, that, it hit the exact same way with me, where I was just kind of like the production on this is just ham-fisted. It feels really gammy, and like I like Mark Ronson so much. He's like really amazing. Like I yeah. think he's really really great. I just like the word gammy. <laughs> gammy's a great word. Gammy's a great word. Uh, it's like it nails it, right? This is a gammy song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's very like, um, uh, I, I don't know, like I kept listening to it thinking like, is there a good song in here? And like, I didn't get there in the end. I don't like, think like, so, I never no. Knocked, no. The next of our best new releases from this week is called Darwin Derby. And this is from Wolfman. Open your wings and stop to In the sea, my favorite is the bass. It climbs up all the rocks and trees and slides down on its hands and knees. But why does the shark have teeth? The shark has teeth to eat. And why does a whale have feet? But I don't know. Yeah, this is good. I, I like it's so weird listening to this track, like a Volfec track with a gang of other tracks like <laughs> like if you want to listen to Volvec you have to go and listen to Volvec you can't have Volvec like like put on you by some other option if you know what I mean because yeah. you were listening to the other tracks and then suddenly this thing comes on and it's like so weird and so bizarre um, yeah it was fun probably not the greatest Volvec track that I've ever heard but uh, yeah it was okay I mean like so the band for anyone who doesn't know uh, were probably best known for Sleepify if yeah. you remember four years ago they released an entirely silent album they they wanted people to play through the night on Spotify so they get so royalties their numbers and, get the and, uh, and it worked yeah they made 20 grand from it and headed out on tour um, this is from their I think what will be fourth album which drops today if you're listening to the podcast as uh, as it comes out Um I mean, like I say, for a band that hit the headlines for a gimmick, <laughs> is this a bit kitsch in and of itself? I mean, their albums, to be fair now, their albums are actually really good. Like, there's like one or two, and apparently they're one of the greatest live bands on earth. Right? I, like, I, listen, I imagine, I, listen I imagine it would be a great time to see them yeah. live. And I can also appreciate, like, you know, two, this so for what... chosen the Olympia, was it, or something like that? Was it, yeah? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I hear this, and I'm just a bit like... I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, th- this reminds me of my aunt's wedding or something, you know? <laughs> it feels a bit like a comedy single as well. Like, there's, like, weird, like, comedy skits in the middle of it. Um, we're we're not a fan of comedy skits, I think, out no. of anything. After Oxnard no. and everything and, and Anderson Pack's record, like, I think comedy skits are out. Like, yeah. skits are fine. Comedy skits, no. That's a, that's that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting, a, putting a rule on it for a no-encore rule. Um, yeah, it was a grand song. It was good. It wasn't their best. I, I didn't really like it. It was, it was okay. The last of our best new releases from this week is Meek Mill featuring Drake. This is called Going Bad. Yeah, so Meek Mill dropped championships. Um, it's like a Good Friday agreement. 
<laughs> Pretty much, yeah. This this track obviously made headlines because of his history with Drake and back to back and diss tracks and all the rest of it. Back to back gets a shout out on this track where clearly all is good again. Yeah, um, was everybody played? Was it all just for for this reunion? No, almost definitely not. I mean, frankly, look. I mean, like if this was all a marketing stunt <laughs> and Meek Mill spent like close to a yeah, year yeah. in jail, in jail just for the just for the outpouring hey, look, of yeah. emotion that would. Greta's release I don't I, it doesn't seem likely um, the whole record is good actually. yeah I haven't, I haven't listened to it but I'm meaning to listen to it it's, it, it, it's people are saying it's really really good yeah, yeah I mean like yeah so we're pr- pretty much we're drifting onto other listening now by the way right <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but like the whole album is good in part because everybody seems to bring their A game and I don't, mm-hmm. don't know if it's just because everyone's so committed to rowing in behind Meek Mill because of the the imprisonment and all the rest of it and the free yeah, Meek yeah, Mill yeah. movement as it were yeah. but like Jay-Z sounds better than he has done in really? years like it's incredible um, Cardi B drops a good verse um, okay Rick Ross's one sucks actually but, <laughs> but like you is know, Pusha on it is he? Uh, Pusha is on it yeah, right, yeah Drake is here you know like yeah like he's got the A-game players but Amazing. they've actually brought their A-game as well um, so it's a very good record in general. Obviously, the Drake collab was always going to get the the the, the, headlines. Uh, the headlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a good track. But yeah, um, Meek sounds really good on it. I think Meek's verse is the strongest part of the entire track, right? Yeah, but like there, there's there's a track called um, called What's Free, where yeah, Rick Ross isn't good, but yeah. um, Jay Z, oh, superb, really, superb. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, I'd written him off. Completely what else have you been listening to this week? Um, what else did I listen to? I've been listening to Kojak basically like yeah, a load in the last I, I, few days. Like doing homework, yeah, doing homework, doing homework, getting ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, I think everybody's uh, like tracks of the year came out this week on Spotify. Right? Did you get your your kind of yes purified? Oh yeah, I haven't properly gone through it yet. I remember looking through and going like, these are tunes. Yeah, these are classics. I was like, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. That's that's exactly. I what should also jump in here and say that clearly, yeah, because I've been doing my 2018 reviews, uh, Push isn't on this album. But he is on Push something. Isn't on the he album. isn't on something else that I can remember in the back of my mind, though. So he had an entire verse like dedicated to Meek, right? Like yeah. on his record. Oh, that's not oh, well, so many people did. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, uh, Marlon Williams was my most played artist this year. On oh, Spotify. really? Yeah, One yeah. of his tracks is my most played uh, track, and I saw him. He's, he's, are you familiar with him? He's he's, uh, he's a Kiwi. Um, see, he's he's kind of like a crooner. He's got this really kind of modern crooner style. Um, really good band in him as well. I was in New York in March, and I got the same playing there. So he's he's the one I've obviously been listening to the most. But in terms of the last week, mm. I've listened to David Keenan's new EP quite mm. a bit and the new track from Junior Brother as well. Yeah. Which yeah, I'm going to yeah. be playing this Sunday night on Totally Harsh. 98 of Get your, get 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 your, get your plugs in, mate. Yeah. Did you like that? <laughs> Loved it. We're going to follow suit, by the way, and say that obviously, as mentioned earlier, next week we will be recording our end of year reviews. Uh, perhaps not dropping next Friday, to be fair, but uh, certainly in the short time thereafter. Yeah. And of course, our quiz of the year Woo. is now less than a fortnight away. Uh, don't bother trying to get tickets because they're all gone. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we might sneak in, John. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can talk later. Uh, but yeah, if you, are, uh, if you do have tickets for that, Workman's Club 19th of December. Look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, and start brushing up. Indeed. Shall we finish off, lads, with our track of the week? Our yeah, last track of the it. week, I should say. Mm. Always On is the name of the new release from Squareheads. 
Are we fans of Squareheads? Yeah, big yeah. time. I love yeah, them. Yeah, amazing yeah. life. They've been around for ages. Ages, haven't they? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, they've been making, I think, catchy guitar music for, for probably over ten years. Fake mm-hmm. Blood, I remember from about two thousand and ten, was a, quite possibly their their debut single. Great song, but it, maybe a, most people will know them for their track Twenty Twenty Five, and in particular the video, which featured the Gleason Brothers. The trio have a new album out through the label Strange Brew. And we're going to have a listen to their new single. It's called Always On. Cheers, guys. Thanks, John. Thank Good you. Good This has been No Encore, and there will be no encore. <laughs>
This has been no encore and there will be no encore. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. That's it. Nailed it. Yeah. No, that was me practicing. That was me very <laughs> go, over go over it, go over it, go over it. I'm going to say the same thing. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Toomey Esports Capsule. Available on Toomey.com and select Toomey stores. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.